This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Laguna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode and Happy New Year. I hope you're doing good. I hope you're doing well. I hope you enjoyed your festivities and celebrations last night, which enabled you to take probably some time off a distraction, if you like, away from what was a disappointing game on uh, yesterday. It was awful. Uh, Different surroundings today. I'm at my sister-in-law's at the moment. No I can't play either of these two instruments behind me, so don't even ask if I can. Uh, but good morning to those joining us. Thank you so much for doing so. It means a lot. And um, yeah, welcome to to 2024. I hope that uh, I hope that it is going to be a, a successful and uh, prosperous one for us all, and that uh, we will uh, endeavour to to bring you all the coverage of Arsenal across the course of of this year. Um, you're going to see more, I think. My prediction is going to see a lot more of this ugly mug. So do make sure that you continue to subscribe. It is a bit of a, a mission to see if we can reach the Emirates Stadium capacity uh, as our first target this year in 2024. So if you're not subbed or if YouTube has somehow unsubscribed you, which believe me does happen, uh, make sure that you resubscribe to the channel or just subscribe in the first place. And if so, welcome to the TGT family. You've picked a great year to help support us. Uh, good morning to those joining us live. Uh, Blackshine, Damien, Old Dave, we've got Amir, we've got our Silky, Darren Kaiser, We've got Franklin, we've got Louie, we've got old Dave and Matt G, uh, we've got Stevie, Temi, Peter, we've got Lars, Lee, Dave, Ian, Maximius, Damien, uh, we've got Steve Stone and Rob, and thank you to everybody else that's listening, not only live, uh, which I imagine for those that are listening live, is a little bit of a challenge perhaps, considering it is the first show of 2024, it's a bank holiday, or New Year's Day as well, and of course you may be a little bit sensitive from the night before. I understand. Um, I don't. I, I had a pretty chill one, to be fair, um, travelling back from, from West London last night. But uh, overall, I have to say that I'm ready for this year. But it does sadly start on a pretty dour beginning because, of course, we do need to start and talk about yesterday's game, um, which was 
Yeah, really. Uh, Spelt full of myself. That's that's a great start to the year. Well done, Tom. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think it was obviously a very disappointing start to 2024. Not in any way, shape, or form. Um, the you know, just just what we wanted to expect, and we wanted to see a reaction from that West Ham game that that never came. In fact things got worse. And I remember I talked about that West Ham game as the worst performance of the season. How wrong I was. No, that, that, what we saw yesterday was the worst performance of the season. Um, and unsurprisingly has led to many, many questions, many, many doubts and a lot of uh, fading title hopes. We're going to discuss those and more. Now, what I usually do with these slides, I go through each individual player and little moments in the game. And, you know, we talk about specifically the the good and the bad and what could be better. But I'm not going to do that today because everyone was bad. There wasn't a good performance. There, there just wasn't. There was some that was slightly better than others. But if I was doing player ratings, I'm not sure I could even give a four to anyone. Really? Maybe Raya, because he had so little to do. And obviously, when the goals came, he couldn't do that much about them. But I guess besides Raya, I can't give it. I think Raya would probably get the highest score just because he did the least wrong. Um, but everyone else, it was a really, really, really poor day um, for Arsenal, which, of course, began with the news that Alexander Zinchenko was injured and has a calf issue that is set to be assessed. The club called it a slight calf issue. And yet there were discussions after the game that it would be assessed. So how accurate that description of a slight calf issue is, I, I don't, you know, I don't really know. Um, but let's go through, shall we, some of the talking points. Um, and I think we have to start with the manager because that's where the buck stops. That's where it stops for everybody. That's where it stops for me and for you and the club because Arteta represents this iteration of Arsenal and Arteta has taken us a hell of a long way and I still think he can take us a hell of a long way as well but it is on him to solve these problems and I reflected yesterday on what the main issues were and, and what he can do to solve them because he spoke about how the West Ham game was a fixture that we deserved more from and I agreed I think we did 30 shots 77 touches in the opposition box how you've not scored is you know, I can certainly point the finger more to the players, but yesterday, yesterday was completely wrong. The team lacked ambition. They lacked desire. They didn't want it as much as Fulham did. And when a team doesn't want the game as much as the opponent does, the finger only goes in one direction and quite rightly goes toward Mikel Arteta, who was absolutely fuming. And whilst I expect him to, as he did, defend his players in a press conference or in an interview, I can near guarantee you that the players did not get the same mercy that maybe the press did during that press conference. And he would have, without question, laid into the team and told them what he thought. We know what he's like. We know what he can be like in the dressing room. We've seen the Amazon documentary. And Arteta and his philosophy needs some tweaks and it needs some improvements. And he needs to find a way of doing things differently. He'd done that this season to some extent. And the idea of this season was to try and find a way of doing things differently so that the mistakes of last season and the errors of last season, which meant that we couldn't beat Manchester City, were changed for this season. 
and developed into this season. And he's clearly looked to make some sacrifices to try and make us a bit more resilient and a bit tougher to beat. Now, after losing to West Ham and after losing to Fulham, it's very difficult to sit here and say Arsenal are harder to beat because we've just lost to two teams that we should beat on paper. However, you look at the start of the season, how obviously it compared. We've not lost to a big six side this um, this season so far. And of course, one of those games includes a, a massive win over Manchester City. And because of that, it showcased that what we have done is made ourselves tougher to beat in certain games. The problem is, is whilst we have tried to address the defensive side of things, we have not grown enough in the attacking third. We have not clicked enough. We have not been threatening, uh, threatening enough. And we have not been um, clinical enough when we've created those chances for ourselves. And that was evident, of course, in the game against West Ham. But yesterday, we just didn't create much at all. Big chances. Saka had that one he put over the bar. Martinelli had that one that he put just wide. But we have not created much. And Arteta, in this period that we've now got coming up, because we've got the Liverpool game in the FA Cup, which I think is a welcome fixture, break from the league. We don't play a league game now until I think the 2021st of January, at least just under three weeks away. We've got the mini winter break to go through as well. And I think that this break comes at the perfect time for us in terms of the league because things need to change. The FA Cup, obviously, is something that needs to be used and targeted and aimed to win. And if you knock Liverpool out, you've got a great chance of doing that. But I also think it's an opportunity to, in some ways, kind of throw caution to the wind in that game. I think Arsenal just need to go for it. Just, you know, treat it like there's nothing to lose in some ways. And I know that might seem a bit backwards to some of you. But I think we need to treat that Liverpool game in a way like we've got nothing to lose, like it's not a league game. Take the pressure off and just go for it. Go for it. Play with no fear and go into that game with the aim of, of trying to just attack Liverpool and not be overawed by who they are. And we need to find our own confidence again. Because if we go into that Liverpool game with fear and apprehension and with the lingering effects of these defeats on our minds, I can't see anything a Liverpool win. And we need to go into that game with a determination to win it and a determination to win it well. And if we can do that, it gives you such a boost going into the next Premier League game, of which we have some time for Arteta to continue to address some of these problems. Now, I think obviously we can all tell that goals are a big problem. And Gabriel Jesus was benched and Eddie Nketiah started this game. And whilst Eddie Nketiah has got a decent record when it comes to starting games and scoring goals, the problem is, is when he doesn't score goals, he doesn't really do much else. Whereas Gabriel Jesus, the thing that you can say about Gabriel Jesus is when he doesn't score, he's probably put in a performance that's created a few chances, that's played some key passes, that's fought and pressed and battled. You can't say that about Eddie Nketiah's performances when he doesn't score. When he scores goals, that's what you focus on. You say, good goal, scored well created a good chance or was on the end of a good chance. And we can say that he was given no service. I certainly wrote that in my post-match piece. But the difference between Jesus and the difference between him and Nketiah is that Jesus will create chances for himself. He will create opportunities by his movement, by taking the ball and turning it or playing in triangles and attempting to create opportunities. Now, his clinical finishing is not good enough and it needs to be better. But the difference between him and Eddie is that he will create opportunities for himself. And so the whole Eddie didn't get any passes, was feeding off of scraps is certainly true. 
But what it isn't is it's not a solution. And we can't have a striker that only influences the game if they get service. That used to be what we said about Aubameyang. It used to be what we said about Lacazette. And look, these are players that have scored tons of goals for, you know, not only Arsenal, but of course in previous iterations of themselves in other leagues as well. And if you can't get them service, I don't think we can use that as an excuse anymore for centre-forwards. We need centre-forwards that are going to create things for themselves. It's one of the other reasons why I'm not 100% sure on some of the players that we've been linked to. I think we need players that are going to create opportunities. You look at how Pep has changed Haaland, for instance. Haaland can create chances for himself. His game has evolved. He's become more collaborative as a centre-forward. And Jesus was signed because he brought more. He brought something different. But him getting dropped, I think, was a result, not of rotation, but I think it was as almost, maybe this word is too harsh, but I think it was more as a punishment for those misses that he had against West Ham. Because we had the opportunity to win that game and didn't because we didn't take our chances. And that is where the question mark about a striker comes in and we'll talk about the market in a little bit. The midfield has changed. Declan Rice is, in my opinion, a world-class footballer and is one of the biggest reasons why we are where we are in the table um, and why we've been able to compete for much of this season with Liverpool, with City and with Aston Villa as well. His performances have been critical in making us competitive in almost every game that we've played, but there are differences between him and Partey. Now, those differences are on a stylistic level, not on a quality level. Both of them are quality players, but there are differences between them. Where Rice likes to play passes out to the wide areas and where Rice likes to take the ball and move with it, his progression comes on an individual basis with those runs. Whereas Partey's progression comes from his passing, which can not only just go through the wide areas, but Partey likes to play those cutting passes through the central area of the field in those half spaces sometimes, and even in between the half spaces, to be able to create a more direct route to both a centre-forward and an attacking midfielder. Now, I think that because Rice favours typically passes out to those wide areas, and when he does make those runs, they come through the central areas and then out to the wide areas, what we're finding is, is we're finding that what we are doing is we are limiting and restricting ourselves to a lot of play in those wide positions, and opposition teams are therefore pushing us into those areas where you are, and we are, and most teams are when we're there, the least dangerous. Because what we don't like to do too often is ping a ball into the box early enough. Sometimes we do, and we've seen us really benefit from those early crosses like we did against Luton with Rice's goal, like we did against Brentford with Havertz's goal, um, and like we did against Chelsea with Trossard's goal. But we don't do that often enough, only when the pressure <clears throat> is really, really on us. And so because of that, what we are being found, what we are doing is we're being found out. And teams are pushing us into those wide areas like they do with Saka and like they do with Martinelli. And then what they do is they try and block the cross or they even just wait for it and just head it clear with little to no threat happening whatsoever. And that all stems from the way the midfield works and the way in which we build up. What we need to do is, is Bryce needs to be a bit better at playing more centrally and direct. I think Erdegaard needs to be better and more urgent in his play. And of course, whoever plays in the left eight row, if it's Kai Havertz, they need to be a bit more urgent. They need to be a bit quicker. Now, there was a great moment in yesterday's game. I don't know if you remember it. A pass was played to Havertz. He nutmegged it and ran onto it, completely bamboozling the Fulham player. And I thought, wow, that, that movement, that intelligence there, 
shows you what Kai Havertz can do. Problem was, is that we got into a good position and he stopped and we went back and it lost all momentum. And I feel that that is what has been lacking from this Arsenal team that we didn't have necessarily as the same problem last year. Is last year, we had momentum in our attacks. When we went forward, we were threatening, we kept going, we piled on the pressure. Sometimes we didn't get the final ball right, but we looked threatening far often. This year, we seem more patient. Now, patience can be a good thing, but if you're overly patient and you try to overwork attacks, what you can often find is you find yourself getting the ball turned over and the opposition getting an opportunity where you've then overcommitted too many players forward as more players join the attack because you're slow in your build-up. And therefore, when the ball gets turned over like it did on a number of occasions yesterday, the opposition get a really strong attack at your goal and can often lead to a really high-profile chance. And Arsenal need to be faster for their own benefit, not only in their attacking sense, but it also makes you less vulnerable when you're faster in your own attack because you are committing less players forward. Players aren't getting into you know positions in which they're leaving big spaces in behind if there is a turnover. And the longer you wait, the more time there is for other opposition players, of course, to get back into defensive positions to make it harder for you to even create the big opportunities that you want to create. So the midfield needs to be faster. And Arteta needs to deliver those instructions and those actions to his team. But the midfield certainly needs work. And even though I've been exceptionally impressed by Rice, and I think he's a world-class footballer and one of the best signings we've ever made, we do need more. We need to see some differences because Rice can only do so much, so much. I think we can also instruct him to do some more things, some different things. I think Erdegaard needs to be more urgent. And I think Kai needs to show some riskier takes and maybe not be too afraid of playing a pass which is going to go awry just because it's not going to be accurate and backwards. Um, we are too predictable, therefore, what I say when we attack. This kind of links in a little bit to, to what I'd already talked about. But the wide areas and the wingers are just getting found out too quickly. There's too many players being doubled up on. We're not then utilising the spaces in behind. And that's really costing us in attack. And because Saka, I thought, probably had his worst game of the season. Yes, he scored a goal. It was, it was a good um, finish in regards to kind of reacting quickly to the rebound. But outside of the goal, I think it was probably his, his worst game um as, as a player and um I know that he's better than that and we know he's better than that he scored nearly he's contributed nearly 20 goals this season but when he has played well it again links into that urgency when he's played well it's because we've attacked fast he's got into those wide areas with less players on him quickly we've moved the ball faster he's got support quicker and ultimately that that speed that we have got and have shown and, you know, I see a comment from Derek saying here, he says, I can see why you're not a football manager. You expect too much. I'm not talking about anything that isn't what we've already done before. So it's not about expecting too much. I'm not expecting too much at all. I'm looking for us to try and recapture what we've already done. I'm not asking this team to do more than what they have done before. Because if I did that, then maybe I would be a little bit off kilter. But I'm not. I'm just asking for things that I think we've done before. And we need to rediscover. And one of those things is to be faster. And one of those things is for Bakaya Saka and for Gabriel Martinelli to be more threatening and be more clinical, especially Martinelli, who really has not found his shooting boots this season. When those players get doubled up on, what we need to do is find ways of exploiting the spaces that are left when those players get doubled up on. Because to get doubled up on, what a player has to do is vacate an area of the field which would usually be their position. And it's 11 against 11. And so therefore, when you get into those areas, 
and you're finding your winger is being doubled up on, that means that somewhere else on the field, there is going to be extra space. And so we need to find ways of utilising the extra space and being a bit quicker in that attack to be able to run into those spaces and then pass into those spaces to make the best possible scenario for our attacks. And that so far hasn't happened. Um, what I think is probably the most worrying thing about our team right now is our left-hand side. Our left-hand side is is not working. It's just not happening for us. Um, Kivior came in for Zinchenko. Tomiyasu came on at half-time. Havertz started in the left eight. Martinelli is probably having one of his, his poorest seasons from an output perspective. The left-hand side is is looking concerning. Um, and it's really difficult to know how we solve this necessarily because Granite Xhaka, of course, isn't here anymore. And the loss of Granite Xhaka during his best season, I always wanted to keep him for at least one more, but he's gone, so it's no point moaning about spilt milk. He's gone, and we need to try and make sure we find a way of, of improving things. Now, I think that Kai Havertz is not an eight. I don't think he's an attacking midfielder. For me, Kai Havertz's best position is playing just off of a central striker. I think he's best playing with someone in front of him. And I think that if we want to use him in the midfield three, he needs to be the most advanced of those midfield three. And getting him into the box as soon as possible, like Xhaka did. And I think the problem with that is that we don't have a progressive passer at the moment centrally playing behind him, which links in obviously to the rice problem I was talking about a little bit earlier. Maybe if Partey returns and we can use Partey and Rice together, that gives you a lot more punchiness in the middle. It gives you a lot more penetration in regards to um, finding those line-breaking passes and those incisive passes through the middle. And I think that is what is going to make us more threatening is Partey coming back is going to be a big thing. And if not, we need to find somebody in the market that can also provide those progressive passes and that can also work with Declan Rice to improve that area of our game. But Zinchenko's absence, you know, people have talked and said that Zinchenko has been a liability, and I agree that defensively he has made mistakes, but there's no point in sugarcoating the fact that we missed his progression in yesterday's game. We missed the control that his passing brought. It is right that we have an inverted player on that left-hand side that can bring us more to the left in terms of progression, and Zinchenko's passing was massive in regards to what we produced last season in terms of that left-hand side being threatening with Xhaka. Zinchenko was a really important part of that. And when we lost him for this game, we lost a bit of balance and we didn't have that same progression because Rice was trying to do more and Rice was popping up more on the left. And he usually would because Kivior wasn't offering us enough inverted. And when Tomiyasu came on, even though he did offer us more because Tomiyasu is better than play, better at playing the inverted role than what Kivior is, still it wasn't what Zinchenko does. Zinchenko can drop a shoulder and beat a man. He can flow forwards and he can do it elegantly. And if he doesn't have a poor game like he has so often this season, he can be really influential. The problem is, is that when we've come up against sides that have hit us hard on the counter, we've had Zinchenko there and that has cost us. It's no surprise that when Tommy Asu came on, we didn't concede, of course. You know, um, we didn't... Um, we, we didn't concede a goal in which I thought it was because of, you know, Tommy Asu was just really poor from a set piece that, that led to the ball landed to Deckard over Reed. You know, whereas you look at the first goal, Anthony Robinson down our right-hand side, the ball gets to the back post and Raul Jimenez is there to just ping the ball in. You know, Tommy Asu coming in did make us better defensively. And I think he's better playing the inverted role. But again, we, we don't have that 
We, we don't have that ability, I don't think, to progress it as well. And we're not as threatening down the left. Anthony Robinson had a fantastic game. And their left-hand side with Willian and Robinson and Kearney as well looks way more threatening than ours did. And that's because they're willing to have a left-back, I think, that bombs forwards. And I think maybe we lack that sometimes. You know, Man City get it with, with Walker. Liverpool, of course, get it with Trent and with Robertson. And sometimes I just wish that we had maybe something of a more traditional fullback at times to just give us something of more of a natural, speedy overlap. That's why I really like the idea of Jeremy Frimpong as, as, a, as a potential signing. I think Timber will offer us more as well, even though he's not like a traditional fullback when he plays in that position. He will invert. I, I, I want I want to see tactically something different that gives you that overlapping speed. Ben White has not been as good this season. And yes, he's been covering and dealing with a knock, which has certainly affected his performances. But I really wanted to see something more um, tactically from our, our fullbacks, that, to, like Robinson was giving Fulham, because that caused us so many problems. And I also think when you've got like a speedier overlapping fullback, it then builds on that urgency I was talking about earlier on in the show. You know, the, the speed of thought, the quick overlap, ping it in behind, get a player overlapping. And White can do that, but he wasn't doing it enough. And again, the build-up was was far, far, far too slow. But the left-hand side was really suffered. And I think the left-hand side definitely needs addressing. So, solutions. What is the options from within? What are the options that we have to solve these problems? Well, Yuri and Tim is not going to be back until, I'd imagine, March um, at the very earliest. Um, there's suggestions that his recovery is kind of like crazily fast and rapid and it's, you know, um, it's really helping us to see him come back so much quicker, but it's not going to come back soon enough. So Timber's not going to be the answer to those problems yet. It might be towards the the mid-late slash late part of the season, but until then, we're not getting him back. Obviously, the other one is Thomas Partey. Um, Thomas Partey is um, hopefully going to be back in January, but then, of course, he goes off to the African Cup of Nations, so we'll lose him for a period of time, and then we really have to, I think, think about him in February. But I think Partey's return should, and you've got to keep those fingers crossed, should Partey stay fit, you know, that will be a really, really good option for us. It's interesting that um, JH here says Havertz up top. Jesus, I'm assuming that maybe in response to somebody suggesting that Kai Havertz should go up top. I am not entirely averse to this idea. If Jesus is not being clinical enough and um, Nketiah, I don't think, offers enough in his all-round game, and if we can't sign a centre-forward, I think you need to use Havertz in a better position, which I think is as close to the centre-forward position as feasibly possible. Now, if you remember the Manchester City game in the Community Shield, Havertz started that game up top as a centre-forward. We created two key chances. He didn't take them. You know, one he hit straight at uh, Edison, the other one I think he hit wide. But I wasn't looking at necessarily the finishing in that game. You know, he was still in his lowest period of form. He was in his lowest period of confidence. Arguably, it got even worse for a little bit after that. It was the positions. It was the positions that Havertz got into. It was how he received the ball. It was him spinning into space and getting the opportunity to shoot a goal. Yes, he could be more clinical. Yes, he could have scored those chances. But you've got to look beyond that. You can't look at it just what it is on its surface. I think you've got to look beyond what Havertz can offer 
just in terms of, you know, maybe him being a little bit disappointed, but his form has improved. And I don't think that if you want your team to be urgent, I think if you want your team to be better in terms of their speed, Havertz playing in an eight position, I'm just not and have never necessarily been convinced that is the role for him. And so I am willing to see a centre-forward position tried for Havertz if indeed we can then get some more speed and some more progression, especially when Partey comes back into the middle. Jesus can rotate in a wide area if we need him to. You can play Havertz and Jesus as two centre forwards with Jesus playing just off of one of the right or left-hand sides, depending on what Martinelli or, of course, what uh, Saka is doing. I think that's an option. People will dismiss it, and that's fine. They're entitled to your opinion, as I am myself. So I think that's something that we could consider. And then I think the other player that I don't really get why is not getting a chance as much because I know that he's fit, he's returned from his injury, and now he needs minutes, is Emil Smith-Rowe. That's two games in a row that Reese Nelson has come off the bench instead of Emil Smith Rowe, and Reese Nelson has offered next to nothing. Now I remember Smith Rowe playing on the left-hand side, keeping Gabriel Martinelli out of the team when he initially came back from injury, playing fantastically well. His movement was great, his speed was great, his passing was great, his direct nature of his of his running was great. Martinelli has become too predictable. Martinelli loves to get the ball. He'll either try to cut inside and get tackled or he'll try and run for the byline. And typically his, his, his final pass, his final decision-making has not been great. And for me, in this Liverpool game, in the FA Cup, I'm starting Smith-Rowe on that left-hand side. I want to see Smith-Rowe back on that left-hand side. I want to see him given the opportunity because that's what he's not been given so far. He's not been given an opportunity. How can I make a judgment? How can I analyse the player if I am not given the opportunity to see enough of him? And what I have seen plenty of is Martinelli. And Martinelli's form has really, really dropped. And I think the next best option in that left-hand side, because Trossard has just not convinced me enough at the moment, just not convinced me that he's going to, especially starting games. I think Trossard's best games have been, obviously, when he comes off the bench. Yes, he can have an impact when he starts games. I'm not saying he cannot, like some do. It's important to never generalise that. Trossard is better coming off the bench for me. I would like to see Smith-Rowe given the opportunity again to play on that left-hand side, starting in a front three. He's not a traditional winger like Martinelli, but he ain't slow. He's got speed. He needs confidence. He needs to be given confidence. And I would be starting Smith-Rowe on that left-hand side against Liverpool in the FA Cup with the hope of him getting the opportunity to, to combine better. Then you've got the opportunity then if Partey's back for that game to use him because there are suggestions that Partey could be back for Liverpool. Maybe it's a it's you know it's it's not known, but there's a chance because we've been told January. So let's see. Tommy Asu came back pretty quickly. So let's see if we get Partey back. He could be involved for that game. There's still discussions about the federations of Africa, of course, and determining whether or not we want to see Partey used in that game. I think if Partey is back, you go Rice, Partey, Odegaard, Smith Rowe. Um, Havertz and Saka. That's what I would want to see against Liverpool. That's what I would want to see as my front three. Um, that means benching Jesus. Yes, he can come off the bench. That means benching Martinelli. Yes, he can come off the bench and give us some impact. Trossard also on the bench, but that is what I would do. I think we've. it's not a case of throwing the game against Liverpool. I think it's playing players that have been doing better recently, which we can agree Havertz is. And if there isn't an opportunity to play a player that's been doing better recently, in the case of Martinelli, in the case of Trossard, then try something different. And that's something different for me is um, is Smith-Rowe. Uh, Olu says Partey hasn't been called up by Ghana. This is a misconception that's going around that squad, I believe. And feel free to tell me if I'm wrong. 
I'm pretty sure I'm accurate in saying that that squad that has been released is for a pre-tournament game. So that is the pre-tournament game squad. That does not mean that Partey may not be going to the AFCON. He still may go. So don't take that um, squad that you saw doing the rounds as gospel. I don't think it's officially confirmed that Partey will not be going. I still think that Partey will probably be ending up at the AFCON. I'll apologise, of course, if that's not true. But I think that that was for a preliminary game squad. And that's why. Now, we are in January, of course, and being in January means that we are in the transfer window. And so what are the options from the outside? What are the solutions from the outside? Well, there's a picture of Ivan Tony on the screen for those that are benefit of listening on audio-only platforms. I don't expect Arna, uh, I don't expect Ghana, I don't expect Arsenal to um, be making a, a signing like Ivan Tony in January. I don't expect it. I wouldn't ask you to get your hopes up. I wouldn't ask you to get optimistic because... The idea of £100 million being dropped on one player in January, I just don't see how Arsenal are capable of doing that. It's not to do with the Cronkies not investing money. It's not to do with Arsenal being reluctant to spend. It's not to do with us being tight-lipped about our, how much we want to spend. It's just the reality of the profit and sustainability restrictions that are on the club at the moment. And I think for Arsenal to do some really good business in January, the irony is that we're going to have to do some really good business in an area that we have struggled to do, which is, of course, player sales. If we can succeed in moving out the likes of Enketia or Ramsdale and getting some good money in Reese Nelson, another one, of course, any of those three, you could include Smithrow if you want. I doubt it. But I think those three, if you can get a big, big money move for any of those three players, then it gives us options. It gives us the opportunity. But the suggestions are that Arsenal aren't open to selling Eddie Enketia unless it is for a big, 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 big fee. And I mean big, like 50 million big might be what it takes. I don't know if 40 million will convince them to sell. I think they'd be mad. It's my opinion. But if I, I think that, honestly, if a 35 million pound bid for Eddie Nketiah came in, I would be taking it. I'd be taking that money and using it on a player that can not only give us more from the bench, but a player that has a higher ceiling. And people might say, well, you know, Eddie Nketiah's got great potential. Are you going to find a better striker than him? Because there's a lot of people that do actually appreciate Eddie Nketiah. And I have appreciated Eddie Nketiah for his strengths. But his strengths are when he starts, not when he comes off the bench. And we need somebody that is going to give us more when they come off the bench. Because at the moment, Eddie Nketiah isn't our starting striker. And I don't think Eddie Nketiah is ever going to be Arsenal's starting striker. And so, therefore, you have to try and maximise the situation that you find yourself in, which is for our second striker, a player that can offer you more when coming off the bench. And so, therefore, I would be open to sending him and I would be open to sending him around that £35 million mark. Hopefully more. That'd be great. But I don't see it happening. It'd be a big surprise to see if that happens. Where else? Well, midfield, I still think, as I said, needs more. Partey can't be relied upon. Elneny is not it. Jorginho, again, is, is a good player, a good depth player, but starting level, difficult, um, especially because I'm not sure, again, that he offers what we need in the middle of the, <clears throat> in the, middle of the midfield. And then you've got the fullback positions because Timber's not going to be back for a while. If Arsenal can find a defender, a fullback, that can give us the ability to be more traditional, but can also succeed playing in an inverted role, that is the dream, then that's something that we need to try and find. Now, Ural Hato, the 17-year-old at Ajax, I don't think is going to be a guy that comes in and saves Arsenal's season. Expecting a 17-year-old from Ajax who's had a good season and looks really exciting to come in and save Arsenal's season is kind of mad. But he is an exciting player. If the option is there to try and get him on a certain figure, I think there is a, a, a deal to be done. But... Of course, there is the question mark about 
do you spend that money on him? But then is there anybody else available? And I think I saw a few people saying, well, isn't Kieran Tilly that traditional fullback you were talking about? And look, I get the irony. There's a couple of key points when it comes to that because that's completely missed the point when I regarded, when I talked loads about the inversion. I want someone who can overlap. I want someone who can play those balls into the box. I want someone that can get in behind and has the speed. But the problem with Tierney is that, A, he can't invert which you'd still need to do in this Arteta system. And B, he can't stay fit. He's already been injured for a really significant period of time for Sociedad this season. You can't rely on Kieran Tierney. Also, that's a backward step. And I find it quite ironic. There are a lot of fans that are quite critical of Arteta or feel that we should be moving on from Arteta that want to go into our past to go and find the player to take us forwards. I'm sorry, but there is some hypocrisy there which I don't quite get. Arsenal needs to move forwards and moving back to Kieran Tierney for me is not the right way to go about that because he doesn't offer what Arteta wants in a fullback and he can't stay fit. So I just think there's a lot of hypocrisy around the whole, the, all of the calls for for him to to return. But that's that's kind of where we're at. I know that's been a longer first section than we usually do, and I don't know how long I'm going to be able to keep my voice up for part two, but we're going to go to part two, which means we're going to go to your questions in the chat box and more right after this. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, um, that was quite a serious part one, wasn't it? What a way to kick off 2024. Um, probably the most in-depth I've been into Arsenal uh, for a little while without getting too unserious. But I feel like yesterday's game deserved some more serious and objective viewing and talking. So that's what we did. Uh, we are going to go into the chat box now and tackle as many of your questions as we can. And uh, we will try and tackle those questions. So if you've got some questions, um, throw them into the chat um okay let's go to boom 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 Melissa says does Ben White invert how about Tommy how good are they in midfield let's not hate Tierney did you see Tommy Astor yesterday he's inverting like mad of course he can invert does White no because that's not his job um the left hand side inverts the right hand side doesn't it's that has been the way in Arteta system for a very 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 long time the only time White will invert and it's not in you know, possession, it's just more defensively. He'll tuck in a little bit more when out of possession if the attack is going down the other flank. Um, that is it. The right doesn't invert in quotation marks. The left does. So when you say does white invert, it, it doesn't invert because that's not his job. Um, 
let's go to Chadwick says, Tom, what about Ferguson of Brighton? How much do you think Ferguson's going to cost? He's going to cost loads. He's only just signed a brand new contract. He's 18 years of age. Um, I think he will count as homegrown as well, even though I know he plays outside of um, England. Uh, I think it's because he's been at Brighton for so many years. Um, he probably will still count as homegrown. He's going to cost you 100 million. You know, Brighton aren't going to accept any less than that. So, no, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, let's go to Nelson says, TC, I believe that you can now understand spending £105 million on rice is a big error. Are you mad? <laughs> what? Declan Rice has been the best signing that Arsenal have made in a very long time. Look, every player can improve. And I've talked about the things I think Rice needs to do better. You know, every player can get better. A big error. Declan Rice has got more man of the matches than I think I've seen any Arsenal player get in a half season ever. I don't think I've ever seen a player get as many man of the match performance. I don't think I've ever seen a player be as important as Declan Rice's. Nelson, you are living on a different stratosphere if you think a Declan Rice deal was an error. Goodness gracious me. Uh, Pablo says, do you think any of our starting 11 could be sold for a significant price? Erdegaard, Martin, Jesus. I know it's crazy, but maybe for the right price. Um, I don't think there's any need to sell Erdegaard. I think that's ridiculous. Um, Jesus. The, the interesting thing about Jesus is he maybe is someone that you could sell because I think we can upgrade. I think it's worth maybe looking at upgrading on the centre forward role. And I've said before that we shouldn't be looking to upgrade on Nketiah. The idea is to upgrade on Jesus. And so what you do is you bring in a player that pushes Jesus to the number two position and then you've got a new striker at centre forward there. However, if you need funds and you want to upgrade your striker, it's not the worst idea in the world that you then go and sell um jesus so that's something to think about lee says tom new manager in place at spurs do you think their process is moving a lot quicker than ours in his first season they are starting to be more ruthless without kane it's very worrying um spurs always worry me because they're just an annoying club but we're sitting here in in january no i'll make a judgment about where spurs are come the end of the season because lee we've had two bad games and you know <laughs> two games ago you weren't asking questions like that because spurs's form was was awful they're also about to lose human son in the um in the the asia cup uh which is coming up as well so let's just see where we are um spurs have also got insanely lucky recently as well again they've had a very very fortunate season so far with some of the things that have gone their way like the liverpool game for instance uh the sheffield united game for instance the uh, just ridiculous luton game in which they luton couldn't score an open goal so no spurs worry me just because they're annoying spurs aren't worrying me because of their process um not at all. And again, I think that conclusions get brought up very irrationally and quickly because of what happens more recently with Arsenal, which is two defeats or rather three defeats in five, something like that. Um, it's not been great recently. That changes the conversation quite significantly. Uh, Shaka says, TC, what's your view on Benjamin Sesko? Not ready. Not ready yet. I like him, but, but I think there are strikers that are out there that we should be targeting to change things for us are not Benjamin Sesko. I like him and I think he's got real good potential, but to change for us right now, he's not the right player. Um, Zumtar says, is it still possible to win the title? Of course. Um, we're what, two points behind Liverpool before they play today with level with City. They've got a game. Are we level with City? I didn't even check the table. I didn't even really want to look at the table yesterday. Um, let's have a look. Where are we? Where are we in the Premier League table? Uh, it's just coming up on the screen for me now. Come on, Premier League website. There we go. Um, so, yeah, we're fourth. 
point ahead of Spurs, level on points with City, having played a game more, two points behind Villa and two points behind uh, Liverpool, who play Newcastle today. Um, I mean, if you're sitting there saying the title's gone, uh, like there's no point hoping Arsenal win the title, I, I, what I'd suggest is probably just take the rest of the season off. It's probably not for you, this football thing. <laughs> like, uh, if you're sitting there going, so, yeah, the title's gone, it's done, we've blown it, bottled it. It's, this isn't for you. Like this, football's a season thing. Um, as I talked about yesterday, I put a big long tweet out yesterday about how the things I kind of learned in in twenty twenty three. One is that Arsenal is is not the be all and end all in life. It's a massive part of my life. I really enjoy covering Arsenal. I enjoy working, um, talking and, and writing about them. Um, but when we lost yesterday, I was over it in about twenty thirty minutes. If it was a year ago, I would have probably been stewing over that game for another day two days like i love talking about arsenal i live for this sport i love it i've got such a such a passion for it but if i treated it how i used to treat it i'd just be miserable all the time and so when i see people leaving comments like we've bottled it title's gone i i have an element of feeling sorry for them because i just think that what a what a miserable way to to follow football you know how miserable um to to follow this sport in games are games. Um, when we have a loss, we have a loss. We talk about it, we analyse it, we talk about it critically, objectively. When we win, we enjoy it and we, we look ahead to the next one and we can have our banter with our friends or whatever. But if you're if you're letting yesterday's result affect you so negatively that you're sitting there saying, oh, title's gone, Arsenal bottled it, we're boring, hate this, blah. this probably isn't for you. I'd maybe think about doing something else because football's about enjoyment and taking the rough with the smooth. And if your expectation is that Arsenal win, have to win the league every single season, most of the time you're going to get us, you know, most of the time you're going to end up really disappointed. My expectation for Arsenal is to just see them get better. I want to see them improve. And when they're not improving, we'll talk about the reasons as to why and what we can do to try and solve that. Um, if you come here for a meltdown, I'm not that guy. I'm just not. So if you're expecting me to, to, for fireworks and for, you know, you know the places you can go to get your fireworks. Uh, I don't need to tell you or point you in any kind of direction. I bring you my thoughts and my grounded opinion on things. I try to make people feel better, you know, about Arsenal rather than making them feel worse. So that's my prerogative always. And that's the way I'm going to look at it. That's why I encourage people to come on with their views and their opinions so we can debate it. We rarely get that opportunity here because not many people like to face proper questions about where they're at um where they're at with their view but yeah for those saying is the t is it possible to win is it possible to win the title of course it is we lost two games back to back it sucks we could beat liverpool and suddenly the things change you know we could beat liverpool in february and suddenly things change why would i sit here and nail my opinion to the post that the title's gone it's a big big blow it's a massive blow to the title our chances of winning it have taken a real hit but of course we can still win it. If you don't think we can still win it, that's because you're just in a different mindset. And, you know, I, I can't I can't be where you're at. I can't, I just can't do what you're doing. I'd find that really miserable. Um, so where Flames is here, and Flames disappeared the other day when I invited them on the show, but Flames has returned. Uh, Flames says the title race is gone. I can't be where Flames is. I can't, I just think that'd be really boring and dull and miserable. You know, I don't, and I choose not to be that way. I choose to be optimistic. I choose to look and hope that things will get better. And if they aren't getting better, then we can have a conversation about that. But again, when I finish this show, 
I'm going to go off and do things that also I, I say I want to do that. I've, I've got my job to do. But, you know, when I get off this show, in the period before I start my work, I'm not going to think about Arsenal. I'm going to go off and spend some time with some family before I start work. I'm going to go off and in, enjoy that company. I'm going to go off and, and talk about other things and talk about what happened last night and talk about um, making plans in the future. Like Arsenal is a percentage of my life, but it doesn't own my life. And I've, I've stopped allowing it to do that. So um, that's the biggest advice I can give to you. And I think for those that think the title race is done, gone, I think you're probably in a camp that I'm just not in. And I respect it. I'm just not there. And I don't think I ever will be. The only time I'm sitting here saying that the title is gone is like we're sitting in maybe April, March, April time and we're like 15 points off the lead. Then I'll be like, yeah, title's gone. Let's focus on trying to make sure we stay in the Champions League and we can talk about what happened at the end of the season. But I'm not going to sit here in December as we're two points off the top and go, title's gone. What's the point? It's so boring and miserable to be that way. Hunter says, question Tom, what do you think about Nice's Tadibo? Uh, he's been playing very well in Liga. The centre-back thing is really interesting, isn't it? Because it's really hard to buy a defender that is going to come into Arsenal and start, either start over Gabriel and Saliba or be willing to be a rotational figure, which is why I think we went for Kivior, because clearly Kivior is willing to be where he is. Those suggestions that he might be sold, in my understanding, aren't accurate and Arsenal don't want to lose him because they rate him and they think he's a good player. I just think he's a centre-back and not a left-back. I don't know. I know why we're playing at the left back because we haven't got much choice because our options are so depleted with injuries that we haven't had the option to play anybody else. But I don't think he's a left back. I just don't think he is. I don't think he's going to be able to do that. Um, let's go to Lisa's. Would you be interested in the fullback at Southampton? You're going to have to tell me that fullback is Lee, to be honest. Uh, Franklin says, How is it gone uh, in terms of the title? How uh, you can believe it is. But stating it as a fact is as ridiculous as saying that we're definitely going to win the league. Indeed. And I mean, for me, at the start of the season, my expectation was Man City would win the league. And I think for a lot of people, Man City were the favourites to win the title. I don't think anyone could have realistically come up with a, an argument to say that Arsenal were the favourites. I would have really challenged anybody to tell me why Arsenal were the favourites to win the league. I really, really do think that. And if that's the case... How can you be annoyed if City win it? That's where I that's where I come from. I'll be frustrated if Arsenal don't win the league because I think we've had a good chance to go and win it this season, for sure, you know? But my expectation was that City would always win it. If Liverpool win the league, then I think we can have a really good conversation about, well, how come they improved so much? What changed about them? What was different between them and us? That's what I think we can talk about. If Arsenal get worse and fall out of the top four, win nothing, don't get Champions League next season, finish behind Villa and Spurs and, you know, whoever else is who else is at the top of the table at the moment, uh, West Ham are in sixth. Like, if we do fall out of that, then we can have a serious conversation about, well, he might have lost the dressing room. And at that point, you've got to have a really difficult conversation. I think people get misconstrued about my position on the manager for me, it's not a case of Arteta in or Arteta out. It's, it's just ludicrously childhood and playground stuff. I'm Arsenal first, always. Arsenal are the biggest thing. There's no one personal player that's bigger than Arsenal. And if I think Arsenal are going backwards, I then need to start looking at, you know, and when I say backwards, I mean significantly. You know, when you finish second, the only way up is first. So you can go back to third and not necessarily have moved backwards as an overall project. You can in terms of just numbers. And if you want to look at it in that binary way, that's fine. You do that. But 
I think if only if Arsenal look like they're on the slide, like they were under Unai Emery, which is why I wanted to change him as head coach, that's when you'd get into a position when you start talking about the manager. You know, that's where I think. But Arsenal, for me, it's, it's talking about what we are doing going forward. Uh, Malesi says, are you now ready? <laughs> These questions always make me laugh because I'm like, it's like, who, 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 who are you targeting with this type of question? I'm just a fan at the end of the day. Are you now ready for the uncomfortable conversation of how unsustainable our style of play is, how we lack fluidity um, in the middle, even with Declan Rice, who now seems to be tired of carrying Havertz and the midfield? Melissa, what I'd recommend you do is you rewind this show and you talk about, and you'd rather you listen to, the entire section which I did talking about the midfield, about what needs to change, about what needs to... I literally covered this in so much detail. So either you missed that, or you didn't listen. So do go back and listen to that part because it certainly covers everything that you've asked to talk about there. Uh, I've got a couple of super chats I need to tackle. Uh, Anarag says, I didn't see this fullback crisis coming a few months ago. Now we are one injury from Kivior, Cedric and fullbacks. Also, the attack is just too predictable. Uh, yeah, I talked about that too predictable thing. You're spot on. Um, the fullback crisis is kind of crazy, isn't it? And I don't think we expected to be losing Timber and Tommy and Zinni and... You know, even White's had and is carrying an injury. It is a real issue. Um, and that's why Arsenal want fullbacks. So maybe that's where we go in January. Let's wait and see. And uh, Vegas Gunner says, sell Ramsdale to Newcastle and go get Frimpong, uh, Gestruder or Hartman. I like Gestruder. It's a really good shout, actually. I quite like him. Um, let Havertz or Trossard play up top. They're both better there. Jesus maybe go into a wide area. Uh, I think the centre-forward role is absolutely going to be a conversation that continues um, and, and we'll continue to see that have that, that spoken about. So, yeah, let's wait and see. Uh, Justin, Arteta out in capital letters. Then we might progress. This cone man is done. You see, don't be like Justin. <laughs> Justin embarrasses himself in YouTube chat boxes. Um, Guna Lad says, why not give Sosa a chance or way too soon? Again, I think Guna, it's, it's similar to when people say about Noineri. It's similar to when people say about Luis Skelly or Charlie Patino. It's things like that. You're like, they, they, they are exciting. They're really interesting youngsters. I don't really get it when Arteta gets like, properly lambasted for the whole, he doesn't give you for chance. He's got one of the youngest teams in the Premier League. And, he, and at the same time, he gets moaned about if he throws games because he uses certain players or you rotate certain players in. If he throws the kids in and they get battered, what does that, what's that achieved? It's nothing. Like, it's not achieved anything. So it's really difficult to, to throw a kid in. I think when he threw Nuaneri in, it was at the perfect time. I was critical when he didn't do it against PSV. I thought that was a great chance, but he seemingly felt that was the wrong time. You know, there's been games where we've gone like 4 new up, 5 new up. You can use the kids then. He could be better. I'm not saying he, he's not terrible with it. I just don't think, he, I don't think he's as bad with the kids as what people suggest, but he can do more. He can do more. Um, RN says, Happy New Year, mate. How about keeping an on-screen animation of how far you have reached the Emirates Stadium capacity in terms of subs? Um, it'll prod the non-subscribers into doing the right thing. I wish I knew how to do that. But I don't think StreamYard gives me the opportunity to do that, RN. If anyone has any suggestions, I know you're going to say use OBS, and you're probably right. But when I have time to learn how to use all that stuff properly, I, I certainly will. Uh, Sam says, uh, Tom, do you think that it's true that every want is a top and to fall off so they can use it to beat? Oh, okay. I think I understand what you're asking. 
Is it true that fans want us to fall off so they can use it as a stick to beat us with? I'd rather start from behind and then push on in the second half. So is it true that wanting to be at the top and then fall away is used as kind of a stick to beat us with um, and then push on instead? Is it better to kind of push on the second half? Um, look, there's always going to be... Um, there's always going to be kind of question marks about Arsenal and there's always going to be question marks about the the very small but very loud minority of people that want Arsenal to lose because it feeds their I don't like using the word agenda but that is that is what it is um because it brings more attention it fulfills the pride of their own opinions and thoughts of stubborn lack of change but yeah, I, I don't think there's reading too much into that for the majority, Sam. I think the loud minority get far too much attention. I'm very guilty of giving them far too much attention. Um, Cam says, a very honest appraisal, Tom. It's what the majority of us are thinking after yesterday. Thanks, mate. That's very kind of you. On the other end of the spectrum, I did see a comment criticising my comments on Saka, but I can't find it. Oh, that's a shame. I really wanted to tackle the Saka thing, but I can't find the question oh that's really irritating if it was you and you know it was you can you just leave that comment about Saka again because basically it was a comment saying that I was too critical of Saka here we go I found it Angel says why are your fan base criticizing Saka when your best player revolves around him he also scored poor recruitment like Kivio should be criticized Saka had a bad game a goal doesn't a goal does not change things a goal does not change overall performance you can have a bad game and score i made a living out of that seven aside you can have a bad game and score a goal right it doesn't change the fact that i can still criticize the performance i thought it was one of his worst performances of the season and the only reason i criticize is because i want it to be better it's not a case of going, oh, you're terrible, you're terrible, you're terrible, you should leave, you should be sold, blah, 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 blah. You know, the stupid, crazy things some people random say. It's about recognising what needs to improve so that Saka can reach an even higher level. It's also not about picking and choosing what the criticisms are. Kivior should be criticised for the performance that wasn't great, sure. And we touched on the left-hand side not being good enough, but... Saka is more likely to have a far bigger impact on Arsenal's title hopes than Kivior is. Let's be honest. And so because of that, I'm more inclined to look at Saka and think, well, what could Saka do? Because there's more of a chance that he is going to have a bigger part to play in Arsenal's title hopes than Kivior is. So I'm more inclined to focus in on Saka than I am inclined to focus in on Kivior. I hope that makes sense. Uh, Man Lutata says, uh, even Judges says the title's gone. I spoke to Judges yesterday. I saw him after the game. Um, Always a pleasure. Love him. Um, love him or hate him. I love him. Um, don't always agree with him. Um, don't always uh, sit on the same kind of panel as as where Judges is. And look, I don't agree with with Judges in terms of saying the title's gone. And I do feel for Judges in, in saying that because that's a shame that you'd go to that position in that way. Now, what I would say about my good friendly Judges is that he can be quite reactionary. Um and I think maybe he will say things after a game that if I talk to him a week later, after he's had some time to reflect on it, after a couple more games, maybe he'll look back on that and go, yeah, I've probably said that too quickly. And that's what I like about Lee is that he can reflect upon things he said and think, actually, yeah, you know, I was wrong. 
Um, I'm conscious that my internet connection is probably going a little bit shaky. And also, I'm going to be starting work very, very soon as well. So I'm going to have to shoot, which is a shame because I've really enjoyed doing this show. And I know it's difficult to talk about games after in which you've lost. But I have really enjoyed doing the show with you this morning. I hope that you've taken the criticisms well. I hope that you've understood where my head is at and where my head will continue to be across the course of 2024. If you're coming here for explosions, if you're coming here for me uh, attacking people, that's not going to happen. If you're here to listen to what I think is objective analysis of Arsenal, if you're here to kind of get a reasoned thought and maybe make yourself feel a bit better about where Arsenal are at, then you've come to the right place. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you stick with me throughout the course of 24. Help us on our road to the Emirates Stadium capacity in subscribers and turn those notifications on so you never miss a show. I may be back tonight for another episode. I may not. I will have to let you know. Uh, but thank you. I'll definitely be back, of course, tomorrow morning, every single day, 8 a.m. UK time. Drop a like, subscribe, and as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.